0: Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. So today is Epiphany, Uh, and as fate, irony, I I don't know what have it, today is also the Sunday where many churches and organizations have what they call Vision Sunday, where they sort of lay out plans for, uh, for the year. those of us who follow the church calendar a little bit more closely, Epiphany is the day, we just heard it in the reading, where the magi come and they bring their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus. And I was thinking about this idea of vision and Epiphany and Vision Sunday. And one of the things that I I began to notice um, is that a lot of times when churches talk about vision, it's always tied in with what is God going to do for you this year? And it always revolves around God doing something extra special for you. Right? So you're praying about something, this is the year it's going to happen. Right? You're hoping for a breakthrough in your life, this is the year the breakthrough is going to happen. Not doing so well financially, this is the year God's going to pour double, triple financial blessings on you. And I think when we present vision of what church is and what church does in that way, we lose something because the point of vision isn't necessarily about us, what God is doing for us this year. It's about what God has done for us and the task and the mission that he's called us, called us to do. And also, even that word vision itself, a vi- vision is, is something you see Vision is something that you are a witness to. And being a witness to a vision then opens doors for you in ways you could not have known or have expected. And we see this in these three readings from Isaiah, from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and from the Gospel of Matthew. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Isaiah text because it talks... It uses this imagery of light uh, and and darkness, and so I'm going to talk to you today about epiphany being, or vision, right, epiphany being light, mystery, and revelation. So we see it in the Isaiah text, this great, great smothering darkness. Now, forgive me, but whenever I read this passage, it reminds me of one of my favorite scenes in Lord of the Rings. Bear with me. Bear with me. So in the book, Frodo and Sam, they are basically blinded in the dark. They don't know where they are. Gollum has run away and left them. They don't know what's, they're scared and they're frightened. And the darkness is described basically as like impenetrable. Like the darkness that they're experiencing is is so thick that like if you were to even light a torch, nothing would have been able to illuminate it. And that passage is always, it always springs out in my mind or comes out in my mind when I read this text from Isaiah because it's very similar in its descriptions of darkness. But fortunately, Frodo has been gifted with light. Not just any regular light, not just from like a flint and a tinder, but he's been given the light of heaven, a light from a blessed star. And he's able, in the middle of the most extreme darkness he's ever experienced, in the most extreme fear he's ever experienced to reach in and to pull it out and use it to see and to find his way through and even to fight the monstrous demon spider that that comes for them light shines forth in this isaiah a passage from isaiah he says darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people but the lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And we see here in Isaiah this imagery of thick darkness, like deep black smoke that goes where it wills, driven by the wind or by something sinister. And also something that is thick can bring its own share of frustrations. How many of you have ever been stuck in really thick mud? Mud that's so thick when you pull your foot up out of your boot, your boot gets left behind. We've all had that. Or driving in a snowstorm that's so thick, you're scared that you may not make it home alive. That happened to me once in Danielsville. I was in my little red car that I used to have, and uh, (laughs) I was scared. I didn't know if I was gonna make it home, the snow was so thick and the wind was so heavy. Think of all of those things, but instead of mud, or snow replace that that idea with darkness and it's not just the darkness that's there that abides in a place but the darkness is covering the entire world and not only is that darkness covering the entire world but that darkness is covering every single individual that lives in that world what could possibly drive that darkness away the brightness of god's glory So in Hebrew, the word for glory is kavod, and it has connotations of being weighty, right? So when the glory of God shows up, right? When Solomon builds the temple and they dedicate the temple and they're praying and they're singing, the glory of God shows up and every single person falls to the ground. It is so heavy and so thick that they cannot move. The glory of God. When the weight of God's radiant glory comes up against that thick impenetrable darkness the darkness must disperse the glory will drive off that thick darkness covering people and something amazing will happen Isaiah says and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising this light that has dispersed the darkness not only will remove the darkness from them but it will also cause all the other nations to see And when they see, they too themselves can gather together and to come and see so the darkness can be removed from them too. The glory is just not for the Hebrew people, but for the Gentiles too. The Gentiles too. And this begins with the light guiding the Magi to Jesus, bearing gifts Isaiah spoke of. This light which destroys the darkness has come. And the presence of those astrologers from the eastern lands who come to worship the Christ child this is the example to those from all the other nations that the light of Christ is for them. Let's talk a little bit about the mystery. And many of us, we like a good mystery. You know, who it's continue to be written and filmed. And we like to read the adventures of Poirot and Holmes. And we also love those long-running TV shows. Like, uh, my parents like this one, like, uh, NCIS, it's been on for like 30 seasons. They've solved just about like every crime in the military imaginable at this point. You know, we like Criminal Minds, CSI, I think they're like on CSI, Lehigh Valley now. I don't know how many spinoffs they've had. Right, but we like these shows, these mysteries where they're investigating, trying to figure out who did what, who did this crime, who murdered that person, who stole what. It entertains us. And a compelling mystery should have, you know, the requisite number of femme fatales, tough detectives, wisecracking kids in the search for motives. And mystery as a genre is great because it leads us through the process of taking bits of information and then collecting it to see important patterns in order to solve a problem. You may have to look closely and you may not see it at first, but the pattern or the evidence is there to solve the mystery. Sometimes though they go unsolved. So we have passages like what we read in Isaiah this morning, almost like a trail of breadcrumbs that the Hebrew people didn't quite pick up on. St. Paul didn't even pick up on it until after Christ appeared to him. St. Paul had to be shown by the Holy Spirit, and even with all of his learning and knowledge of the scriptures, he still missed it himself too. And this mystery is that the Gentiles, the non-Jewish peoples of all the earth, are, quote, what he says in Ephesians, fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, to us, this might not sound like a big deal, reading it thousands of years removed, but for them, it would have been jaw-dropping. Uh, St. Paul doesn't say here, okay, God has the Jewish people over here, and he has everybody else over here. St. Paul doesn't say God is making two different groups of people that are going to serve and follow him. St. Paul says God is creating one group of people. One group of people, bringing everyone together. God is creating his church. He is bringing them both into one body, and that one body is Christ's. And if the Gentiles, the people who did not have special revelation from God, If they are to be included, then that means they are fellow members and also heirs of everything that God had promised to the patriarchs of the Old Testament. The Gentiles, the people outside of God's covenant, are being drawn in to that covenant through Jesus Christ. And St. Paul has been graced with this mission of proclaiming this mystery To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. His purpose, his task, is to bring the light that has removed to darkness, to preach to all the nations God's plan, to bring all people and all things to Jesus Christ. And he also says, interestingly here, that not only God's wisdom and purposes are now visible in the church, but it's also visible to the rulers and authorities of the world. The rulers and the authority of the world in this context, brothers and sisters, he's talking about angelic beings, right? Who were set over the nation, some who, who were good and served the Lord and some who were evil and they rebelled. This mystery was hidden from everybody. This mystery was even hidden from angelic beings that God created this mystery was revealed though through the church that we brothers and sisters that you sitting here right now are privy to the mystery that God held for all eternity and that mystery is Christ in us and that that is not just for one particular group of people but for all people Let's talk about Revelation. Not the book, but Revelation in general. So in this very well-known part of the Nativity uh, story of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew that we heard read, we see in this episode that, that kind of demonstrates practically what we heard from Isaiah and Ephesians. The Magi were non-Jews. They were Gentiles from the East, probably Persia. And they, they weren't kings. They were They were most likely astrologers or magicians or something like that. They saw something strange in the sky that led them to seek out Jesus and scholars tell us that in the ancient world celestial phenomena were seen as indicators of important events and important people and so they see this and it leads them. Now keep in mind that these men did not worship the God of Israel. They saw something in their own religious system that led them to Bethlehem and to Christ. God reveals his mystery beginning to unfold directly to the Gentiles of distant lands, not just to the local shepherds of Judea. And he does so through their own practices. Now remember, they don't have the Torah, they don't have special revelation from God, they don't have a covenant with God, but God still reaches to them through what they know. And they follow the star, which moves, by the way, so it's a supernatural occurrence, right? not a, not a natural one, to come to Christ. The brightness of his rising has begun to draw in the nations. And when they see Jesus, they give him precious gifts, and it says, and they worship him. But notice it's important that they don't find him on their own, right? They see the star, they follow the star, it guides them. Where do they stop off first? They stop off in Jerusalem because they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. So here's like, I don't know, scribes. Come tell me what, what's, what's going on. So he calls the religious people, and they come we know the scriptures, and they have, to, they have to search the scriptures. And as they search the scriptures, they say, in Bethlehem. And then that gives the wise men the direction that they need to go to Bethlehem where the star rests over where Jesus is. Now, a lot of ink has been spilled over the years about the truth of Christianity versus other religions. But one thing we have to understand is there are seeds of truth in other religions and other faiths. But we also understand that these seeds of truth, as demonstrated in this story, have to lead ultimately to Jesus Christ. Right? It's the height of, this is something that's very popular nowadays. People will say, well, all religions are the same. All religions, they, they essentially teach the same thing they want the same thing from everybody. They kind of believe the same thing. No, that's, that's the height of arrogance to say that. All religions do not teach the same thing. All religions have completely different ideas about what's wrong with us as human beings. All religions have completely different ideas of how that problem is to be solved. And all religions have completely different practices. There might be some similarity in practices, but it's Arrogant to say that all religions are the same because, brothers and sisters, they are not all the same. They all diagnose our problems in different ways and offer different solutions. But as we see here, other beliefs and other religions, as useful, they are useful insofar as they can lead the truly seeking to Jesus Christ through the revelation they have already been given. St. Justin Martyr in the year around 155. He wrote about, I think in his first apology, he called it the logos spermatikos, or the seed of the word. The seed of the word. In his view, and I think this is a good one and a right one, there are seeds of truth everywhere given to all people by God based on where they are in their place and time. But these seeds, though, don't negate the need for Christ. And thus all of these clues, if you want to call them that, should lead seekers to see Jesus revealed just as the wise men did, just as the wise men did. Light, mystery, and revelation. Revelation, not just for one group of people, but God drawing everybody else through special ways, but all leading ultimately to Jesus Christ. And so brothers and sisters, we have been illuminated with the light of Christ. We have been made partakers of the heavenly mystery we have been led to Jesus seeing his truth in different ways and places before coming before him and bowing the knee and worshiping him light we have received the light that light has been revealed to us the mystery has been explained to us and we have been made partakers of that mystery we have been made partakers of that light and partakers of that revelation and we shine as lights of Jesus Christ and it's his light shining through us, not our own light. Right? This epiphany vision is our vision. Light, mystery, and revelation. That Jesus is the focal point of everything that is. All that exists, all that has ever existed, and all that ever will exist should point us to Jesus Christ. And truth, wherever we find it, has to lead us ultimately to Jesus Christ, just as it led them. And so, brothers and sisters, our vision, if you want to call it that, is we need to remember that what we do here in church, it's not just about us. It's not just about our preferences. It's not just about... what we want it's not about that it's it's not even about our own survival as a church and if we who have been given the light and the mystery and the revelation of Jesus Christ if we get more concerned about maintaining ourselves rather than seeing that light spread then we have a very big problem on our hands And I think that this year we're going to be tested in that way. This has to drive who we are, what we do. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the light of Christ that we have all been given individually and as a body and as Christ's body. Where is Christ calling us to? The places he's calling us to might be uncomfortable. The things that we do might be uncomfortable. But we have to obey. We have to go where he leads us, because how else will the darkness that's all around us, that we find ourselves mired in every day, that thick darkness, by the way, it hasn't gone away, it's still here, and we confront it every day. We live in it every day, and church is kind of a little outpost for, (laughs) right I see churches kind of at the top of a mountain shining like light with the darkness kind of pooling all around and then afterwards we kind of leave but we can see in the dark because the light of Christ has been given to us and so that mystery that Christ is drawing all to himself that should drive us to, to want our friends and our families and our neighbors to see them transformed too by Jesus Christ and ultimately, today, brothers and sisters, in a few moments, we're going to become partakers of that heavenly mystery culminating in the Eucharist, where we'll come before our Lord Jesus Christ and partake of his, of his precious body and his precious blood. And so, today, let's keep that in our minds this year, that we have been given the light of Christ, that the mystery of Christ has been made known to us, and that Christ is revealing himself to others, it's our job to be there to help lead and guide them and point them to Jesus himself. And so to Jesus Christ, our light, be all glory together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to check us out online zionstoneucc.com or on our Facebook page Zionstoneucc. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman. if you want to get a hold of me shoot me an email at malansman at gmail.com or through our social media page like I just mentioned if you could take a couple minutes we would appreciate it if you went to a GoFundMe we've set up gofundme.com slash savezionstone in order to donate towards some big repairs that we need to have done to the church so if you could donate anything we would greatly appreciate it if you're in the area come worship with us our services are at ten fifteen, and our sunday school is at 9 a.m thank you so much again for listening